It's footy time with Daniel Andrews, and I'm joined on the other line by Jacinta Gibson. Welcome, Jacinta. Hey, how you going? Jacinta's a new co-host who's joining us for 2021. Uh, Geelong tragic from way back, I'm led to believe. Oh, Daniel. <laughs> we almost got there last year. We almost got there. <laughs> and if anyone was doubting this about Jacinta, in her Zoom background right now, I can see... Gary Ablett Sr. taking a specky over a Saints player. I can't quite see who it is, but he's very much arched over and not enjoying what's going on there. But Yeah, he did that once a week. <laughs> yep, so not too many backmen would have got away with not getting one of those uh, speckies on them, eh? All right, so uh, what are we most looking forward to, Jacinta? Looking forward to 2021. Crowds. Oh, Yes. They're coming back. <laughs> One cannot live on cardboard fans and canned applause anymore. <laughs> well, we did get a few crowds last year, but it, yes, Victoria was a complete blackout. So it'll be nice to actually be able to get back to the footy, right? Yeah, it will be. Um, also, the grand finals back at the MCG. So that's exciting. Thank you for the Gabba for your... Um, kind <laughs> kind services but we need to get back to business so to speak yeah it didn't quite do it for me at the Gabba I was actually there at the grand final and my streak is still alive <laughs> so I was I've been living up in Brisbane the last five years and that was I guess the crowning moment being able to go to a non-Victorian grand final up there so it was good fun but yeah it just didn't quite feel like a grand final should which for me, what I'm looking forward yeah. to about 2021 is, yeah, basically the same. Just being able to actually go to the MCG. It's just, uh, you know, that experience yeah. that we all have had for so long and didn't get to have last year at all. So get back to the footy and yeah. I'll be able to go to a few more finals now that I'm down in Melbourne as well, which will be nice. <laughs> yeah. And we are in the COVID vaccination year. Exactly. So, so what are we starting at? Probably 50 there. Talking about even going up to 60%, I doubt they'll get that for round one, but plenty of chances to go to the footy, even if not everyone can go. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. All right, so I'll give you a bit of an overview of what we're going to be talking about today. We've got a lot of interesting stuff to cover, so it's a bit of a different format. So for footy time listeners in the past, you'll know we used to you know, do some pretty deep dives into some of the classic grand finals, but now we're moving to a bit of a different format. Uh, with a few different segments, but really it's going to be more based on what's currently happening in the footy universe. And uh, we'll go down a few interesting rabbit holes as well. So the one we've really chosen today is thinking about what it would actually take for some of these teams to actually win the 2021 Premiership Cup. So they're not necessarily the ones that we think are the most likely to win, or even that they have any chance at all in actually winning. But we're going to talk about what would actually have to happen for some of these teams like Melbourne and St Kilda to actually raise that cup. And there is, I think, at least a couple of interstate teams in there as well. So we're not interstate bias here. <laughs> Maybe we are. I don't know. Yeah, Everyone course. is, aren't they? To a degree. It's always that conversation coming up, isn't it? That it's still the VFL and all the Melbourne teams get all the preferential treatment. So... Hopefully we can spread the love a little bit. We are actually going to talk about every single team today in some form or another. So that'll be in um, yeah. our other segment that we're introducing today called uh, What Do You Reckon? So that's somewhat similar to what we used to have in True or False, but we're opening up a little bit more. There's a few more options to say What Do You Reckon before we give a reason why we think that way. So hopefully that 
opens it up for some pretty interesting banter. But I think we've gone on for long enough without actually getting into, <laughs> you know, what we're trying to be talking about. So let's actually dive into it, right? So we each have chosen three teams to do our Premiership deep dive on. So just by way of uh, forecasting this, we'll do three now and three a little bit later. So I've got Brisbane, St Kilda and Melbourne. And Jacinta, who are your teams? Uh, well, one of the obvious, Geelong, uh, the West Coast Eagles, so an interstate team, and Hawthorne. Yeah, Hawthorne's an interesting one, isn't it? A lot of people are thinking mm. they're going to fall further, but, you know, well, Clarkson's there. You can never completely count them out. That sounds like you haven't counted them out if you'd chose them as one of your teams to do a bit of a deep dive on. You can never predict Hawthorne, I, you know, from over the years. You just, you, you don't know. And with Alistair Clarkson being the best coach, like arguably the best coach, you know, Haw the Hawks fans have always got something to, to look forward to, I think. So I'm going to kick it off with St Kilda. So the way this is going to work is we've each come up with three things that have to, would have to happen for these particular teams to win the Premiership Cup. So obviously we don't necessarily think these things are going to happen or even that it's that likely or unlikely that any of these would happen. But we're saying if these things actually happen, then these teams would win the cup or at least have a very good chance to win the yeah. cup. So that's the premise of uh, this little game we're playing here. So St Kilda. All right. So to me, they are a team with a lot of depth now and they've got a lot of very good to even some great players. But what they don't have, in my opinion, is genuine stars. So that's what yep. you need to win premierships. Look at the last 15 years. There have been very few teams, I'm not sure if you could name any, who have won premierships without a top 10 player in the competition. Does St Kilda have a top 10 player in the competition? Yes. Their fans would probably say yes. All the other fans would probably say no. Oh, nothing I can... Yeah, nothing that comes off the top, off the top of my head. So. I think they do have a lot of potential, but yeah, in, in this game where St Kilda's winning the Premiership, they're having one or more of their top players becoming elite in the competition. So I'm talking top 10. This is absolute elite. Who could do this in this hypothetical? Well, Jack Steele absolutely has the potential. Their mobile rock, ruckman, mm -hmm. Rowan Marshall, he could definitely get there. And then you've got the guys who are a little bit less likely, like Billings, Brad Crouch, or Jade Gresham, who's also got a lot of talent. But say out of that group of five, yeah. if one or two of them became genuine elite players, absolutely, I think that would put them right towards the top of the pecking order. What do you think about that, Jacinta? Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. Like I said, um, I couldn't even think of one off the top of my head. Um, I think St Kilda are getting closer, um, making the top eight last year. I think their coach is a lot better and they're getting a lot more help there. They just need a game breaker. Yeah, they yeah they do they do and um, everyone sort of says you know when it, well the feedback I got last year was you know St Kilda are in the top eight you know they're in the finals but they won't go very far like you know sort of exactly and they didn't yeah so yeah it, and why why was it that they weren't going to go that far lack of players lack of depth. Exactly, like they just don't have the elite level talent at the moment. Not to say they couldn't have it and they can't develop it, but right now that's probably a big difference between them and the top four sides. Yeah, so if one of those players can become elite, absolutely going to put them on the right track for the Premiership Cup. Yep. So that's point number one. Point number two, 
continued development of their young halfbacks. So I don't know how many games of St Kilda's you watched last year, Jacinta, but, geez, Hunter Clark and Nick Caulfield stood out so much coming off that halfback line. Their skill and poise, it was just amazing. And for, they're both very young, yeah. so there's a couple of guys who could potentially be elite. Maybe not this year, but, geez, they're scary proposition coming off that half-back line. Yeah, a lot of um, youngsters and a lot of uh, development and a lot of personal development. Yeah, and they got that whole bunch of new players in, right? Yeah. Uh, like Brad Hill, well, they weren't new, but, you know, in the draft, and they, not the draft, in the trade period, and they did really well there. So they've got an interesting mix, don't they, with this yeah. sort of, like, some of the older players, some of the younger players, but yeah, they got a lot to like. Yeah, in all honesty, I do see them making the top eight again this year. Just where they're going to be, like in the lay of the land, uh, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, yeah, I think there's a lot to like. And, geez, as a St Kilda fan, you'd be pretty excited with what you've got on paper here compared to most of the last 10 years after, you know, those grand final sides after that sort of... Yeah, we kind of stole the grand final off them there. But um, <laughs> I just felt... I, I never feel really bad, obviously, when you're winning, but they showed Eric Banner in the crowd, and I was just like, oh, poor St Kilda. Like. <laughs> they did so much right in that game. They but, did. Uh, yeah, you know, you've got to win. You've got to do it when it absolutely counts, and Geelong got them right at the end there. Yep. All right, so we're feeling good about St Kilda. Mm-hmm. So we're going to give them an elite player, and we're going to give their halfbacks some continued development. So what's going to get them all the way there to that Premiership Cup? Max King is my answer to that. Okay. If Max King can kick 40-plus goals, then that's just going to be the cherry on top here. So St Kilda plays a very uh, direct game style compared to a lot of teams, going long to the teeth of goals, and that makes it quite predictable for their forwards. And if Max King can start clunking a few more marks and kicking accurately, that'll help them no end. Yeah. So absolutely uh, one for the future, but also one who could deliver this year, I reckon. Yeah, I agree. So, as, as I've said there, yeah, plenty to like about St Kilda. Is all this going to happen in one year? Probably a little bit too much to ask. Yeah. But absolutely um, one, as a St Kilda fan, you'd be very happy with at the moment and just want to see that continued development. Yeah, they're making great progress. All right, Jacinta, who is your first team that you're going to big up for the Premiership here? <clears throat> the West Coast Eagles. Um, they did have a disappointing year last year, um, but they do have a strong, capable team. And, um, you know, I think on their day, they can beat anyone. First, uh, let's talk about Nick Natanui. He is their main weapon. Um, he's ranked number one in ruck clearances last year. Um, and is definitely, I think, their main strength this season. Did you, do you, see, do you remember any of that final last season, the... Collingwood West Coast game, he absolutely dominated that game. He's, he's scary good. The only way they were getting any of their goals, at least in the second half when I was watching, was either like direct ruck work out of the centre. Like Geelong didn't want the ball to... Oh, sorry, not Geelong. Collingwood just didn't want the ball to go back <laughs> to the centre. That was how good yeah. West Coast were out of the centre. Yeah, that's it. It's, it's, it's scary, yeah. Yeah, Nick Natanui, anywhere near full fitness, is definitely a scary prospect. Yeah, Adam Simpson's trying to reduce some of the pressure off Nick Natanui because if he plays a lot of uh, game time, there's potential for injury. And, you know, 
West Coast don't want that. So they're sort of using Oscar Allen and youngster Bailey Williams as a potential rock partner, uh, which I think would be a good move uh, for West Coast because relying on that uh, at Nui, you know, all the time is, um, is, is a lot of pressure. Um, I guess my second point um, is that I think West Coast need to focus more on the team as a whole rather than just their stars. Um, he wants to, Adam Simpson wants to reduce less emphasis on the bounce and more on the marginal gains, um, which will, um, and the tweaks they can make to other aspects of their game. So that's, I think that's, I know it sounds simplistic and obvious, but um, it has merit when looking back on how and why West Coast keep falling short every year since their premiership in 2018. Yeah, absolutely. They are very reliant on their better players, as a lot of teams are, but I think it really stands out for West Coast. So, yeah. you know, when a couple of their midfield stars like Yo and Gaff are a little quiet, yeah. then uh, a lot of their other younger players do just completely go missing So as well. So... Um, Absolutely, if you can get that load spread a little bit further and not completely reliant on those very best players that they have, then that'll help them a lot. Yeah, well, what did you think of Cali's performance last year in the midfield? Yeah, like, I think it did take him a while to settle in. And yeah. um, he definitely had some high possession games, but even then, I don't think his impact was probably as high as it was at Geelong. Yeah, and there was a lot expected of him again. I think they'll be expecting more this year, so... Yeah. You know, time will tell whether he can deliver on that, but geez, if they can get Cali up and running alongside some of their other midfield stars, then they are going to be a scary proposition. And, you know, it's never easy to beat West Coast at home, even when they're having a bit of a down year. So they're always going to be there or thereabouts. Yeah. So you might have heard something about this during the week as well. I can't remember where I heard it, but I remember someone talking about how the fact that, you know, we've got this new man on the mark rule and it might speed things up a bit, especially between the 50-metre arcs, that actually might hurt West Coast if they continue to play their sort of, you know, kick-mark game style where it's very slow and methodical and, you know, it's control, control, control. So the man on the mark really is completely against what they're trying to do there. How do you think that might impact what they're trying to do? Well, you know, it, it's hard for the defenders as it is and um, this new man on the mark rule is going to be really, really tough. Um, yeah, really tough on them. And um, it's going to be tough on a lot of teams, really. But, yeah, I think it will hurt them because it's going to take a while for players to adjust to it. There's going to be a lot of 50-metre penalties. It's a tricky one just to know whether, you know, whether certain game styles are still going to work as well as they did. So, yeah, obviously there's a lot of unknowns at the moment. So you're just going to have to wait and see. But it will be interesting to see how it makes teams change the way they want to play or if it does at all yeah um i guess um looking at their forward line now for the um contending for the premiership um i think darling and kennedy need to function more as an attacking um duo and inspire sort of upcoming younger forwards i don't think um darling had the best year last year but, um, yeah, I think as a duo, they need to really start working together a bit more. It doesn't seem sustainable to be relying on Kennedy and Darling, especially because they're getting a bit older now. So they can definitely still make useful contributions. But I think, yeah, just being part of that overall forward structure rather than being 
the guys that are doing it every single time when they're playing well would be better for West Coast. So in your rationale here, if they're going to yeah. win the premiership, they're going to have that more of an even spread in the forward line. Yeah, and, um, you know, they're looking at um, Oscar Allen. Um, Nick Del Santo actually made some interesting comments. He thinks that um, Oscar Allen is not only the future, but he's ready to go right now, and that he's got attributes and abilities that few others have. Um, he said, also said, um, you've got really good players around him, again, like Darling and Kennedy, but he is good enough to be their main man in their forward line. So that was interesting. Yeah, I think Oscar Allen is a great player. I think he was one who might have slipped down the draft order a little bit as well, so West Coast got a bit yeah. of a bargain there, but... He looks, um, every time I see him play, he looks better and better. So, absolutely, if they're going to win the premiership, he's probably going to need a breakout year or at least a significant improvement. To be honest, last year, I think West Coast in the hub were a bit sook, sooky. Um, they, they, you know, and they just lost their hunger for, you know, the finals and everything. So, that hurt them last year. But, you know, everyone had to adjust. So, not just them. So... But um yeah, if you know this year they've got they've got significant crowd, um, significant supporters. So I think you know with all that backing this year and making those minor tweaks, they might be uh, right up there again. Yeah, I guess they of the teams that were most affected by you know the relocation, they were probably the ones, other than the Victorian teams. But I guess they relocated even before that. Just they were the one, they were the contenders who probably got most affected by the whole. Um, relocation during COVID. So, yeah, yeah, they sooked it up in Queensland, couldn't win a game there for a while. No, they couldn't. They'll be glad to be back home, that is for sure. And yeah. uh, we'll see if they can we can see if they can do a little bit better this year. They've yeah. definitely got the names on paper. So, all right, let's move on. So we've gone through two of our three that we're going to tackle in this first part of the episode. So um, let's do Melbourne. <laughs> so that was a bit on... Let's rock and roll there. What do you got for us? Those, who, those of you who have listened to Footy Time before will know that I am a Melbourne supporter and have seen very little success. They were pretty good when I was young, you know, early 2000s and all that. But, you know, it's been... It's been a tough road. It has, it has. But it's taught me a lot about being a footy supporter. And I, I like to say, my friends laugh at this, and you'll probably laugh at it as well. It's taught me to appreciate good football. <laughs> because I don't see... Yeah... I don't see Melbourne play it, so I can appreciate it. Yeah, mm. no, um, I completely agree with you there. Um, obviously, coming from a team that um, regularly... <laughs> no, I'm just joking. No, but I do have a lot of sympathy for Melbourne, and... Um, on paper, they actually look pretty good, but, you know, games aren't won on paper, are they? So what can Melbourne actually do to win the Premiership Cup? Number one thing that Melbourne has to do to win the Premiership Cup is have the ability to play well on the wide expanses of the MCG. Okay. Seems like a simple thing. Play well at your home ground. Turns out for Melbourne, not so simple. <laughs> they, they play a game where they push up really high, really exposing their defence. So it, it makes it really hard to defend on the larger grounds. Actually, over the last few years, they've played a lot better at the... Um, shorter interstate venues, also narrower uh, venues as well. Um, uh, it's just so much easier to defend. Yeah, in saying that, they play, they play pretty well down at um, GMHBA. You do usually play okay down there after a few maulings of, you know, a long time ago, but I guess it wasn't really that long ago, but 
yeah, recently it hasn't been too bad down there. If you can't win games in your home ground, you're in a bit of strife, right? So that's what we're changing here. <laughs> we're going to give Melbourne the ability to play well in the MCG. So how are they going to do this? Well, they may have to adjust their, the way they're defending a little bit so the defence isn't quite as exposed, but I think. One addition that hopefully they have made in the last year or so that's going to help them a lot is having a better uh, set of running wingmen who can actually use the space. Yeah. So uh, Langdon did it pretty well last year, and I think they've got a couple of young wingmen as well who are going to come up and fill that void. They had a couple of years there where they were just trying to put midfielders on the wings, and it just did not work at all. No spread at all. Yeah. So, okay, we're going to give them the ability to defend on the MCG and they can have some better spread. So that's number one. Yes. Definitely need that. All right. So number two, they need a multi-pronged, dangerous forward line. Doesn't everyone? Yes, they sure do. <laughs> they definitely need that. So they've really struggled to score in the last few years especially. So I know it was a shortened season last year, but I did actually have a quick look at Melbourne's top goal kickers from 2020 season. It was actually Fritch, Bailey Fritch, who kicked 22 goals, okay. which was well down the uh, Coleman medal ladder. Although he did kick a lot of points. So um, he did actually get quite a lot of shots at goal. So only 22 for your leading goal kicker is a bit of a worry, though. But he contributed with the points. Yes, yes. <laughs> he probably got plenty more goals worth of points there. <laughs> He's got an interesting kick. I, do, 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 have you seen him kick for goal? He's got this, like, hook left foot kick. And it looks like... It, a hook, but then it also fades, like, right at the end. So it'll, yeah, it, it'll okay. hook in and then fade away. It's really hard to get okay. it online. Yeah, okay, that's an interesting kicking style. He gets, he gets plenty of shots, so let's not too, be too harsh on old Fritter. How do you think, sorry, how do you think he's going to pair up with Ben Brown? Uh, he's one of those sort of, like, you know, hybrid forwards, so he's not overly tall and he sort of just ghosts around, so... I don't think the presence of like other tall forwards is really going to disrupt him much. He's one of those players that yeah. more gets on the end of it when uh, you know Melbourne's like completely out. He wouldn't. He's not going to really outmark anyone in more than like a one-on-one yeah. contest. So we also had just to round out that list: Wiedemann at 19, Melksham at 17. So there's plenty of guys who can contribute, but we just need a couple to take that next step, right? So I think you know. Ben Brown is obviously a proven goal kicker. So if we're going to be having this multi-pronged dangerous forward line that I'm talking about that's going to take Melbourne to the Premiership Cup, then Ben Brown is going to have to shoulder a lot of that load. I know he's injured at the moment, but let's just say he's not injured for this. If I do think he'll be uh, ready for round one. Okay, think, um, that, that's good news. My, my old man mentioned okay, that. Okay, awesome. So. And so we've got, we've got Ben Brown uh, kicking a few snags and... Wiedemann, I think, has a lot of talent as well. So, you know, we can fit in a few of the other smaller players around that. Kasai Pickett and all these sort of guys. Um, so th- there's plenty to work with there. And I'm sure you've heard this discussion as well. It's not just about having a dangerous forward line. It's about being able to actually get it there in a way that the forwards can actually do something with it. So if anyone's watched exactly. any Melbourne games over the last couple of years, you will have heard them absolutely slaughtering connection between their midfield and their forwards because it's been pretty atrocious (laughs) so yeah so it's not just about having the dangerous forward line you've got to have that connection as well so hopefully they've been working on this and in my uh outline here of melbourne they have solved their forward connection issues and they've got a multi-pronged dangerous forward line wouldn't that be amazing 
Okay, number three. Number three. Um, what do we got here? Ah, yes, another one of the things that Melbourne falls down on. I know this is, this is sounding incredibly negative for a way of me describing how they're going to win the premiership. Ah. No, I understand sometimes you need to... You <laughs> need know, to vent a little. Find a... <laughs> All right, so what they're going to have as well is they're going to have an even spread through the midfield that's making better use of Gorn's ruck dominance. So they're going to space out the ground. They're not going to have everyone going to the contest. They're not going to have two guys fighting for the same ball. There's going to be options on the outside. And when they actually win the ball, there's going to be someone to give it to. So what do we need? Yay. What do we need here? We need better structures around the ball. We need uh, better positioning of players who either are around the stoppage or not too far away from the stoppage. So getting both of these in order will help Melbourne no end. That's a big one there. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you there. Honestly, like... The, the issues I've gone through, well, I've say, I say issues, but I'm saying they could do these things. If they actually did everything I've listed here, they would actually be a top four team. Like, that's how glaring some of these issues are for Melbourne at the moment. I don't expect them well, yeah. to actually correct. If they corrected one, or if they corrected two of these three things, then they would definitely be a top eight side. I have no doubt about that. Um, well, you know, I talk about Nick Dantanui for West Coast and he's dominant. Now look at Max Gorn. So you can sort of see he's, you know, he's right up there, you know, with Nick Natanui. But you just obviously... Doesn't quite translate. Yeah, it just doesn't translate. And that's what you need. And hopefully, you know, adding Ben Brown, like a, a well-renowned forward that does kick goals... Yeah, absolutely. ...will, you know, will inspire a bit, a bit more. And there was an article floating around as well about Melbourne talking about how they want to be... With, a less selfish team, more selfless. And I think that's been a real big problem for Melbourne, particularly over the last two years since making that prelim in 2018. I know it's going to sound harsh, but to me, they're actually less than the sum of their parts. They don't work together in a way that actually makes their teammates better. And that is a scathing thing to say about a team. No, but, but you're correct. They've got, to, um, they've got to have better leadership skills, I think, with your captain. And... Yeah. It's, it's hard to develop these things, isn't it? But, like, it's just so obvious when it's not there. Yeah, and because there's just been no, uh, you know, your best progress was the prelim, which was something, you know, that they achieved really well. But the next year, they didn't even make the eight, and they were expected to be a top-four side. Yeah, and absolutely, like... Coming off 2018, and there was a lot of expectation around it. Like I said, on paper, they had a great team, but having a good team on paper, Just, as we all know, means next to nothing. You actually got to get out there on the ground, put your body on the line, and do all the things that not every player wants to do to actually win the game. Yeah. There's a lot of hard things that go on on the footy field, and sad to say that not every player is prepared to do them week in, week out. It would look very different, and that's almost what you get in the finals, you know. Every player is just yeah. that committed that, you know, it's, it's that live and die mentality. And you don't quite get that in the regular season. So the teams that can yeah, actually yeah, completely agree. narrow that gap a bit, you know, they're the teams that are going to be really good between their absolute best and their worst, right? Well, look what happened with the Dogs, you know, finished eighth on the premiership. Yeah, absolutely. Like, all you have to do is get there. That dog eat dog, you know, you just... Every week, you just have to perform, you know, to your highest standard because this yep. is it. And I think that's an absolutely fantastic uh, reference you brought up there, Jacinta. Dogs 2016. 
There's no way that they were the most talented team. But did they want it more than every other team? I think anyone who saw them play in those finals would say, hell yeah, they wanted it more. <laughs> and sometimes yeah. if things fall your way, that's all it takes. You just need to yeah. want it more than everyone else. And obviously there's other things that come into it, but that absolute desire to do anything you can, no matter what, takes teams a long way. Absolutely. Yeah. So there was a very philosophical chat we had there about Melbourne. Thank you for it was, it was. indulging me. And uh, that's, that's my therapy. I won't have to go to therapy this week because we just had that chat. Not, I don't go to therapy, but, you know, I probably should go yeah. to Melbourne. <laughs> yeah, I know. So, I won't have to go uh, crying and shaking. I can't do it anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I know this, I'm harping on a little bit about this, but going for Melbourne does teach you resilience, if nothing else. So yeah. it's not all yeah. bad. It's not all bad. All right. No, it's not. All right, awesome. So we've done our deep dives into three teams. So we had St Kilda, West Coast and Melbourne. So obviously, well, not maybe not so obviously, who out of those three teams do we think is actually the most likely to win the premiership? I would say West Coast. Why would you say West Coast, Jacinta? Um, just because um, of their dominance. And again, we can't say what's on paper, but they've got, they've got the winning recipe. They've got the forwards. They've got the talent. They just need to put it into action and the hunger, they need, yeah. the hunger needs to return. And like we were saying with um, the Bulldogs, they need, they need to re-establish yeah. that. And I think, you know, with the right culture and the right leadership in the club, I think they're the ones that can, um, yeah, pinch it. Yeah, absolutely. Like on paper, I know we've talked about on paper, <laughs> but they have the players so and they have the home dominance. So, you know, if some of these things went their way that we've talked about, absolutely they could win it. So probably a bit more debatable about Melbourne and St Kilda, but we've outlined some of the things that would have to happen if these guys yep. were going to hold up that Premiership Cup. And, you know, we're all starting at zero at the moment. So in theory, Gold Coast is just as likely to win the Premiership as Richmond. Exactly. Try telling that to Tab, yeah, but yeah. <laughs> at the moment, um, that's the reality. Anything e can happen. Everyone starts on zero. That's right. All right, awesome. So we're going to break up the show a little bit by uh, looking at our other premiership teams we're going to talk about a little bit later. So as I talked about earlier, we, we've got a few other segments coming up, like what do you reckon? But before mm -hmm. we get to that, we've got one of the talking points that uh, we were discussing during the week. Um, so this came up, actually. I was watching some of the highlights of the practice game between uh, Brisbane and Gold Coast. And yes. Alex, Sa Al Alex Sexton, I'll get his name right there, stood out like a sore thumb. He was awesome. Most people don't even... Well, maybe not most people, but a lot of people don't even know who Alex Sexton is. <laughs> he's awesome. He's a hybrid forward who plays for the Gold Coast, believe it or not. Ah, he's the one that does those great snaps. Yeah, he's bloody good at snapping. <laughs> <laughs> he was making yeah. it look so simple. And the question... The new Steve Johnson. <laughs> perhaps, perhaps. Makes me wonder why, you know, no one's tried to poach him yet. He's, he's that good. And he, I think he's actually won Gold Coast kicking, uh, goal kicking quite a few times. So, oh, okay. That's interesting. So the, the question that came to mind for me was, is Alex Sexton the best snap in the AFL? And I know it might be recency bias, but he was nailing them from 40 out, no problems yeah, I whatsoever. Watch the replay of that. No yeah. problems whatsoever. Clean as you like. It was going through three quarter post height. He was nailing him from anywhere. He was. He had one about twenty out. Admittedly, he was only on a little angle, but he even snapped that. <laughs> he loves it. So yeah, yeah no. Absolutely, uh, get around one Alex to Sexton. Look, um, 
one to look at this year and to hopefully enjoy the snaps. So Jacinta, is he... So I did actually put this question out to some of the Facebook groups I'm in as well, and a couple of people did actually respond to this. A lot of them, you know, just talking about guys from their own team. Bont and Pelly got a little bit of love. I think he's yep. another one who can actually get, oh, you know, bont. a bit of uh, power on these snaps. I guess that's where a lot of players fall down, right? Most players are pretty good within sort of like, you know, 20 to 30 metres. Then you can get the you can get the leverage you need. But any further out than that, you really need to get a lot of power into it. And players like Bont and Pelly, Jeremy Cameron, they can snap from a long way out. So that's sort of what separates them. Yeah, it was interesting to watch um, in the practice match, Geelong Essendon. Jeremy oh, yeah? Cameron, you're right, he... he does have some great snaps. Obviously, Dustin Martin's good on the snap as well. Oh, he's good at everything. <laughs> yeah, it'll be too boring if we just put Dustin Martin the best at everything, yeah, wouldn't exactly. it? Exactly. <laughs> it's just, just what happens with him. So footy time, friends out there, task for the week is tell people about Alex Sexton. He's awesome. No one knows about him. So see, see if you can get that done. All right, so now we're going to jump into our new segment. So this is where we're going to give the other teams we're not talking about in the Premiership chat a little bit of love. So every team that wasn't in that um, or isn't going to come up later in that is going to be in uh, what do you reckon. So we're going to split this in half. There's a lot of teams. but uh, And also going in alphabetical order. So let's jump into it. So with what do you reckon, there's five options. It's basically the Leichhardt scale, if anyone remembers filling out surveys so <laughs> i know i'm making yeah. it sound really interesting <laughs> so yeah. it can, ba- can basically be strongly disagree strongly agree agree disagree or unsure so hopefully we're not going to have too many unsures but um mm. bas- so basically the premise is um argue your point um say whether where you are on that scale or you can do it the reverse way and uh, yeah, i'll jump in as well and give my two cents so let's see how some of these teams are tracking in our new segment, what do you reckon? Okay, so let's get started with the first, what do you reckon? So Adelaide's good form towards the end of last year has them well-placed going into 2021. What do you reckon, Jacinta? Disagree. Disagree, okay. What's what's wrong with Adelaide here? Like, they did have some pretty good Everything. form. <laughs> um, they did have some pretty good form, didn't they? Look, we were in a hub last year. Um, we were under COVID, Adelaide played poorly, um, and their last couple of wins, I just, I don't think much of it, to be honest, is progression. I see it more as just, they fought for it a bit more because they'd had such a terrible year, and that's what they need to do this year, but they need to do it, you know, in every game, not just the last couple. It's not uncommon, is it, for like some of the lower sides to actually do pretty well in the sort of last sort of five or six weeks of the season when kind of the sting's gone out of the season and there's really no consequences there. I mean, it happened with um, Geelong and Sydney, you know, their last game. Sydney, you know, weren't playing for nothing and it was to be a draw and they still fought as hard as they could. So, you know, it's like you said, they're not playing for anything, but they're playing for themselves. Yeah, it can, I guess it can loosen teams up a little bit when they know, you know, there's no stakes essentially. So... Um, yeah, maybe, maybe that was a bit the case with Adelaide. Like, I think, you know, they hadn't won any games, so it was important that they won a few at least, and exactly. they did that. So, you know, are they going to be significantly better in 2021? Probably not. They've got a very young list um, with a lot of unproven players. So, yeah, I think I would agree with your disagreement here. <laughs> It'll be a tough year for them, I think. It will. 
Carlton's off-field acquisitions and natural progression will see them make the finals in 2021. Oh, this is a tricky one. I think I'm it also going to have to disagree here. Okay. I haven't really been as impressed by Carlton as a lot of people have over the last few years. Ah, uh, neither. neither. <laughs> like, their best is very good, but they're one of those teams that has a big gap between their best and their worst. And basically, to me, that means they're unreliable. Do unreliable teams make the finals? Not usually. So, would I be betting on Carlton making the finals? No. Could they make the finals? Yep. Absolutely. But uh, it's not something I'd be hanging my hat on. Yeah, well, they're sort of like Hawthorne in a way where they're really unpredictable. Like, they'll knock off a couple of top sides and then everyone's, you know, on the Carlton bandwagon and then they just go back on their losing streaks. Yeah, it, I guess it is tricky for them. They've got a bit of that handover going on. Some of their older players are, you know, sort of finishing up and, you know, who's sort of replacing that leadership they're losing. You know, Paddy Cripps can't do it all by himself, so... No, he can't. They, they have had some useful uh, acquisitions in the last few years. Williams coming in, hopefully he can help them a bit in the midfield. But just with Carlton, I'm, I, it's just, they're just one of those teams that I'm never going to believe in until they actually do it. <laughs> I think there's quite a few teams that are in that boat. All right, another what do you reckon question, or they're actually statements, aren't they? Yeah. So Essendon will struggle to put a significant store on the board consistently in 2021. What do you reckon? Uh, I agree with that, uh, mainly because, um, well, in the practice match against Geelong, they were dominant, absolutely dominant, but they kicked so many points, so many points, and there was no reward for effort. What do you think was holding them back there? Why couldn't they convert? Was it, like, just inaccuracy? Was it where they're having their shots from? Um, where they're both. It was yeah. just, you know, here come, you know, running in, uh, through the centre, down into the forward line, kick, oh, another point. You know, it just, <laughs> it, it, it just sort of kept going on and, you know, they, they really should have thrashed along in that practice match. They really should have. It just kills you when you can't put that score on the board, doesn't it? Like when you've got the good play coming through the middle and, you know, you, you're completely out. But if you don't have that, those one or two focal points that are reliable, it's actually really hard to consistently put the score on the board. And I think we yeah. saw that last year. They really did struggle to kick more than 60 points in a lot of their games. So it's very hard to win if you can't kick goals. That's the name yeah. of the game, isn't it? Yeah, we'll have to see how they go in the early rounds. To um, yeah. So, yeah, we're both thinking that, again, it's going to be hard for them to score significantly. And, you know, we've got a, a fresh Joe Danaher running around up yeah. in Brisbane now. So yeah, I can imagine. Like him at all. <laughs> well, you know, he straightens you up, doesn't he? Like, I'm sure most Essendon supporters would be looking at this and just thinking, why could he not be doing this for us? And like, maybe it was just never going to work. You know, they'd sort of fallen yeah. out of love, and he couldn't get fit. And now he looks like he's fit. So sometimes it just takes that change of scenery, yeah, right? It could have been yeah, club culture. You know, he wasn't. It wasn't working. You know, they, some players in some teams just don't mesh well, and. Uh, maybe the move to Brisbane will change things, yeah. I can just imagine Essendon's fans' reactions if Joe Danaher like, wins the Coleman medal or something this year. They're going to be losing their minds. <laughs> so let's hope that doesn't happen for Essendon fans. Next statement. Justin Longmire will be the first premiership coach in the Fremantle Dockers. Oh, jeez. You lay me with all the hard ones, don't you? 
Uh, it's so it's so early in his coaching tenure. I don't know how anyone could actually. And I know I actually wrote this question, so yes, I was about to say, hang on there. <laughs> I shouldn't be uh, berating the question because I actually wrote it. Well, the statement was, wasn't it? But this is an extremely hard one to get, and you know, it's just a guess at this point. But based on the evidence that we've seen so far, I think he's as likely as any other Fremantle coach to actually get them there. So I know that's not saying much because you know no yeah. one has yet. But he's as likely as any of them. So let let's keep the dream alive. I'm going to go agree here. So okay, I, I like yeah. his game style, and the, the players are playing for him. He's going to have a long crack at it. So if anyone can crack it for their first premiership, I, I, I'll give it, I'll give him a good chance. Yeah, they need a coach that's committed, and I think he is committed. From the way they played last year, I think you can definitely see that they're more committed. They're more together as a group, and. That is, uh, you know, the foundation of any good team. So exactly. if, thing, if things start falling their way, yeah, why not? Why couldn't they win it? So wouldn't be expecting it this year, but, you know, hopefully has a long coaching uh, journey and many chances to get the Dockers their first premiership. All right, next, what do you reckon? Statements. We'll get it right, yes, statements. Uh, GWS won't win a premiership until they change their club culture. Strongly agree. Whoa. Okay, lay it on me. What do you got? Why are we going strongly agree here? GWS consistently underperform. I don't know whether it's because it's it's almost like um, for brilliant players, it's a it's a stopping station. Like they just stop there, do what they need to do, and move on. You know, they they've got a low supporter base. Um, they haven't really developed a culture or a decent leadership group. Um, my old man said to me, oh, if um, GWS won the premiership, there'd be about five people to, um, you know, take it around to, support a <laughs> that's, it's, it's It's true and sad at the same time. Like, you know, they, they, I think they have done a pretty good job of, you know, getting into that market in Western Sydney, but obviously it's not your traditional uh, footy location. It's never going to be that. So yeah. it is interesting, some of the points you raised there as well, like, what is their culture? Like, do, are they all putting in for each other? And I think for a couple of years, it looked like they really were, but... Yeah, it, it's faded. It's just faded right out since that grand final appearance that was poor anyway, but... And you know the line that got trotted out on grand final day? Oh, you'll win it next year, or you'll be back here next year, another chance. It's almost like the kiss of death, I think, that. Like, it, imagine, imagine you were... Uh, com- you're one of the team members competing in a grand final. Isn't that the last thing you'd want to hear? Oh, you'll be back next year. Oh, yeah, it'd really get to me. No one can possibly know that. And in all likelihood, like, it's very hard to get to the grand final again. There's absolutely no validity in that statement. No, there isn't at all. It's just a pep-up. Yeah, we need, we need to get rid of it. I know it'll never go, but you don't want to be told, oh, you can do it next year. Like you don't know. There's there's a lot of rounds. There's a lot of teams. Yeah, we're running through a COVID era. Like we just don't know what's going to happen. Exactly. So too much uncertainty. If anything, just say you know you're a great team and you'll have more chances to do well in the future. But don't say you're going to be back in the grand final. No one knows that. Yeah, we can get rid of that line through right, it. Fair Excellent. <laughs> um, <laughs> awesome. So we got through our first six. Uh, what do you reckon? So let's jump out of what do you reckon and 
I know you've been waiting for this one, Jacinta. We're going to talk about the stand <laughs> rule. This has been lighting up the stand, footy industry. Stay there. Stay there. It's like talking to a dog. You cannot, you cannot move one inch. <laughs> no. We're going to ping you if you do. Okay, so maybe a bit of background first and then we can get into a bit of discussion on this. So we know over the last few years that the AFL has been trying to speed the game up. It's become yeah. very defensive, uh, resembling rugby sometimes. It can be very difficult for the ball to break out. So they have been introducing these little tweaks, trying to get... Uh, more motion into the game and opening up the game. And this is just the latest in a long line of these rule changes. The game's fast enough. Well, it, it, is, once it, it, it is once it gets out into space. But it, I think, to me, it's about, you know, that ratio. Like, how long is it going to stay in congestion before it gets out into space? And when it gets out into space, do, does a team actually have a chance to do something with it? You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. I do. I can see where the AFL's coming from here. And, uh, yeah, so we've got our new stand rule. And, okay, so maybe just to, so we can cover off on exactly what the standard rule is. The stand rule is. So yep. once a player takes a mark, then we have an opposition player coming up to man the mark. And now yes. they're on the mark. They have to stand. They can't go left. They can't go right. Oh. Correct me if I'm wrong. Can they go backwards? I'm not even sure. <laughs> no, but, I, I'm not even sure they can do that because the umpire just yells stand. So we're going stand. So you just have to stand there. So essentially yeah. the player becomes a witch's hat and has to wait for the player to dispose of the ball or to run off their line. Okay? Yeah. So we'll go, I'll go to you, Jacinda, just for your immediate reaction. Do you like the stand rule? No, I didn't. But upon research, um, I, think it's a, I think it's a good rule and it has good potential, but it's just really bad timing. We've come out of a uh, hub bubble and, you know, the players have to readjust to longer quarters, um, being back at their home grounds. You know, there's complete readjustment and there's already rules in play that, you know, are questionable. And to put something so, um, I don't know what the word is here, but it's, it's a big rule and it's a lot for the players and the umpires to adjust to and it gives room to more umpire stupidity. Absolutely. I, I agree with all that, but are, we, are you missing the upside a little bit here? Like you said that initially you really didn't like it, but you've come around to it a little bit. There must be some advantages, right? Look, it's facilitating a quicker run from defence to attack. I get that. There'll be higher scores potentially and it makes the game more interesting. I guess. Well, I always, I also think the punishment is too harsh at this stage. That's that's my yeah. biggest thing. Maybe twenty meters, but fifty is ridiculous, and it has the potential to cost teams valuable goals um, and possibly matches. Um, and it also puts further pressure on the backline, like defender, and the defenders have already got enough, you know, rules in place. I do like it, but at the same time, it's an unnecessary rule right now. Okay, interesting. It kind of seems like you're a little bit torn on this. Do you, what do you think about the punishment, like the 50-metre penalty? I just think the number of frees that are actually going to be paid for this, like, it's actually almost... It, it's just, it just doesn't concern me because I think it's just gonna, there's going to be so many times where the player gets it right and there won't, it won't be paid, that 
you, I'm more focused on the benefit because I think the number of times it actually gets paid as a free kick are going to be so small. So I'm prepared to wear, you know, however many around. Just say, pluck a figure. If there's five of these around, I'm prepared mm-hmm. to wear that for the hopeful benefits of what can actually come for this. And I, I understand that, you know, if it was my team that, you know, lost because of this, I wouldn't be too happy. But I, am, I actually mm. applaud the AFL for this. They've actually tried to, you know, introduce a rule here that I think can actually have a meaningful impact on the game in a... In a beneficial way yeah it'll it keeps things it keeps things moving i guess yeah and like some people might say you know does it really matter if someone is standing like what's that going to do like if you saw any of the practice games the easiest thing for the player who's marked it to do is just run 10 or 15 meters straight on a bit of an angle and then he's got another 15 meters so what does this do if you're 70 meters out you run another 10 or 15 metres, your 50 metre kick can get into a really dangerous spot. And I saw this happen multiple times, long kicks to forwards, one out, because they've, they've rushed the defence. They didn't realise they could kick it that far, and they couldn't yeah. because they ran off because the person on the mark couldn't get to them quickly enough. So that's the first thing you get. You get the person who has the mark being able to carry the ball further, which is great. You got more potential for the person with the mark to actually get it inboard also a much more dangerous option so hopefully we see a bit more use of the corridor and also if you've got someone running past much more space for them so there's three big reasons why it's going to speed things up and get things moving towards Mm. uh the uh you know the goal scoring end which hopefully there will be a couple more goals uh this year yeah if i was you know coach of any team i would absolutely be drilling it into them as in just you know because it, it needs to be drilled into them because there's comes a emotion in the game yeah um, especially when it's played against you at a crucial moment you just you know have to really drill it into uh your players yeah and i think most players will adjust to this pretty quickly like literally once you get once you're on the mark you're just standing there that's all you can do stand mm-hmm. and then once the once the person uh you know once the player disposes of it or the umpire calls play on Normal service resumes. So I think it'll work really well. The other point I wanted to bring up around this is just thinking about actually, you know, a player actually getting a mark. When they're actually coming up with the rules, do you actually think that the person on the they thought the person on the mark would actually move around like they have for, you know, however many years, say 50 to 100 years? Like when... When someone's on the mark, they're not really meant to move off the mark, just like the person who marked it can't move off the mark. Like, if the person who has yeah. the mark moves off their line, it's play on, right? So why should the person who's yeah. on the mark get to move off the line if they don't? It makes no sense. So I think not only is it giving you more attacking opportunities, it's actually rewarding teams that can get a mark. You know, it's, it's always been good to get a mark, but I think this will make getting a mark even more valuable because when you've got the mark now, there's so many more ways you can attack. So it's, it's, a, brave deci- it's a brave decision by the AFL. Do you think it's one that could blow up in their, in their face? <laughs> the way you say that's yes. a bit ominous. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, as in to bring it in so quickly, in my opinion. I guess it'll turn the karma supporter into um, an incandescent wreck. So... <laughs> <laughs> it'll be definitely an interesting watch and I'm sure we'll bring it up again 
on the show throughout the year. So let's let's see how it goes, right? Like we want to see this thing in action in a game that actually matters. So let's uh, get back into our premiership chat. So we've got another three teams to do some deep dives on and work out what is actually going to need to happen to uh, for these teams to win the premiership, which is ultimately what every supporter wants, right? We want our team to win the premiership. So uh, Jacinta, yes. I think it's your turn to uh, take us through another one of your teams. What do you got? Okay, so now onto a team that is supported by yours truly, the Cats. Okay, Whew, sad to say. Um, one game short of taking home the cup was upsetting and disappointing, especially because it, we couldn't give the little master a good send-off. Okay, so my first point would be we need a competitive and consistent Ruckman. Stanley's great and he does the job well, but he's not getting any younger and he's very injury prone. Um, Geelong have high hopes on Asava Radaglia, but in my opinion, he hasn't uh, proven to be able to read the ball or the play and at times causes costly turnovers. So not the solution probably. No, not at all. Um, I'd be investing more time in Darcy Fort, although he's injured at the moment. Yeah, he did look um, like a natural ruckman when I'd seen him, seen him in the past. A little bit to like there. Yeah, he reads the ball well and takes marks in the forward line and kicks goals. That's what you want. Um, and he played five of the first seven games and he played a crucial role in the impressive defeat of the Lions in round six. So... I just, I really, yeah, I would prefer we looked at Darcy Fort, but we definitely need a Ruckman um, yeah. that we can rely on week to week. You know, we seem to be trialling Ruckman after Ruckman. Yeah, it's got a pick and stick. <laughs> yeah, I think we, you know, need to invest time in um, just one, and I think Fort's proven to be the one. For Geelong to win the Premiership, Fort is your main man, he's your Ruckman now, and you're going to play him as much Fort as possible. Fort and Stanley, Fort and Stanley. Okay, two Ruckman. Awesome. But yeah, we definitely need a Ruckman. Um, second, we have got the forward line threat in Tom Hawkins and Jeremy Cameron, as I sophisticatedly hashtag them Camerhawk. <laughs> Hopefully that gets a run throughout the season. Jeremy Cameron was a bit down last year. I guess the, so the whole hub life thing didn't really agree with him. Yeah, and he, played for, and he plays for GWS. Well, yeah, that probably didn't help him too much either. <laughs> Surely he'll get a bit better supply from the Geelong midfielders. So you're not too worried about his uh, down 2020? No, not at all. From watching the Geelong Essendon practice match, I could see that Gary Rowan was um, able to feed off um, Camerhawk's hard work and running to open goals using his strength and speed. So that was, that was an interesting thing to see. Yeah, they're looking very potent up there now, aren't they? So definitely plenty of forward threats. So who's going to be the leading goal kicker then? Who gets more out of Hawkins and Cameron? Can it be a joint Coleman medal? <laughs> they, so they both win the Coleman and they both no, win Geelong's. No, no. It'd be, um, it'd be, no, it'd be, Tom, it'd be, be Tommy's the main man. Okay, he's still the main man. Can't, can't quite discount Tommy yet. So no, no. how old is Tom Hawkins now? He must be getting up there. 32, I think. Yeah. He's had a bit of a renaissance though. Like last year was as good as any really. Oh, or at he's least playing like he's, while. you know, twenty five. Alright, so Geelong has a stabilized ruck duo and they've yep. also got an awesome forward line, spearheaded by Camerhawk. Yes. So is that what we're going with? Awesome. 
Yes. What's number three? What else do they need to get that Premiership Cup? It's about the new and the old. It's about creating the right recipe. Um, we have got, much like Hawthorne, we've got a great recruitment team in Stephen Wells. We have got Sean Higgins, Isaac Smith and Jeremy Cameron, obviously. Um, they're a part of developing this recipe. Um, and aside from this, we've had, um, you know, consistent players who I believe are going to contribute. And that's not just the obvious ones in um, danger. I think Meningola's one to look out for. You guys, it's just crazy how many good players you can get who yeah. want to actually come there during the trade period. Everyone wants to live in Geelong. What's going on? Do you guys have the best water down there or something? Or like, you got the surf, so that's good. But what's going on down there? Why does everyone want to live there? Have a chat to Stephen Wells about it. I don't know. He just... <laughs> I thought you uh, might have some interesting insights being from Torquay and all that. Surely you know yeah. why everyone wants to live in Geelong. Well, we live on the coasts. We've got a good winning history. Yeah, why not Geelong? It's really not that hard to see why all the players want to go back there. And then you've got... You know, a lot of these guys are sort of country boys, so they want to go a little bit further out of the big city. So why not go play for Geelong? who are always a constant threat. So it's an enviable position for Geelong to be in. They can always uh, bring in a, one or two another, uh, you know, established players who can help them on their quest to win this next premiership. So we talked a little bit earlier about a team like Melbourne not necessarily being more than the sum of their parts, but I think Geelong is kind of at the other end of that where they're so well drilled and everyone knows exactly what they're doing working in unison towards the same goal. It's actually, it's amazing to watch when they're playing well, actually. So just for any football supporter who enjoys, you know, seeing good football, seeing Geelong in full flight is pretty amazing. Well, that leads on to my final uh, premiership team. So I wanted to talk about Brisbane. So yep. have a little bit of an insight into Brisbane, having lived there the last five years. So I did try and pay a little bit more attention to them up there. Melbourne's still got most of my love, but <laughs> Brisbane <laughs> are pretty good as well. Yeah, well, you know, it's a bit of a love-hate relationship, really. But anyway, no, I, I would never say I help, hate Melbourne, but it's hard to love them sometimes. All right, Brisbane, the new glamour team. They are very good to watch. Do you like watching Brisbane? Yeah, I do. They're yeah. very quick. Okay, so what do they have to do to win the premiership? Well, they need key forwards that can stand up in important moments. So for anyone who watched the 2020 final series, uh, in particular that prelim against Geelong, Eric Hipwood and Daniel McStay were almost non-existent in that game. They may as well not have been on the ground. They just completely went out of it. So they need key for, a key four that can stand up in the crunch. And uh, it wasn't the only game that happened either. So who have they got? They've got big Joe Danaher. So he's a proven big game player. I know he hasn't been doing it a lot lately with all the injuries, but... I think if he can be the main man, then everyone else doesn't have to do quite as much. So then you've got Hitwood, you've got McInerney, and maybe even McStay might be running around there. So we need that big key forward, and I'm pinning my hopes on Danaher staying healthy there. Yeah, that'll be an interesting one. It's by no means a given, but, geez, he's going to make Brisbane so much better if he can even play, you know, 15 okay. games. So okay. right. I've, got big, I've got big hopes for Joe Danaher, so... I, I'd like to see him. I'd like to see him perform well. Yeah, definitely, because he's got it in him. But um, maybe he was just in the wrong culture, you know. In... Yeah. Well, let's track him throughout the year. He's an interesting one. And they've also picked up Cockatoo from Geelong, so that'll be interesting. 
Yeah, he's another one who's struggled with the injuries, hasn't he? So hopefully Brisbane can help him a bit there as well. But yeah. they've got a very well-balanced list. Okay, so they've, got, they've now got the key forwards that can stand up. That's a big piece of the puzzle. What else do they have to do? They need to maintain their Gabba dominance. So in the regular season last year, they went nine for nine. All wins. The only game they lost for the whole season at the Gabba Surely you know this one, Jacinta? <laughs> I didn't want to say it. It was in the preliminary final, the only one that really mattered. <laughs> and they got smashed by 40 points. But it shows that they, they, play that ga- they play the ground really well. They have a big advantage against visiting teams there. Often it's still pretty balmy, even when it's absolutely freezing in Melbourne yeah. and other parts of Australia. So big advantage playing at the Gabba. And it really suits their game style, the quick ball Actually, movements. That's a, that's a, yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah. So I expect them to be right up there again. Like a lot of... Well, if an interstate team is good, then, you know, their home dominance goes a long way to them, you know, yeah, winning sure enough games to yeah. challenge for top four. So that's another one there. And point number three is just be a bit harder. Have a harder edge. So... Again, going back to that Geelong game. Sorry to the Brisbane supporters. I keep harping on this. Um, once it got a bit hard in that game, once Geelong showed them exactly how hard it was, they were going to make it for them, yeah. it, was, it was just all a bit too difficult and they kind of went out of it. It was uh, not a great adver- advertisement for what the Lions are trying to do there. So, you know, when Hawthorne were great, it was all about being the unsociable Hawks. Everyone loves <laughs> Brisbane, so... You know, you, you just need that a little bit. You need to not be liked, I think. So just to develop a bit of that harder edge. And I think in that prelim against Geelong, you know, um, they lost a little bit of confidence. Um, and just because, um, obviously, Geelong have got a lot of finals experience. But, yeah, once we started showing them how hard it's going to be, like you just said, um, I think, you know, they lost. they did lose a lot of confidence. That's kind of the cherry on top. So if Brisbane can get that key forward that they so desperately need for those big moments, keep playing well at the Gabba and be a bit more ruthless, drive teams into the ground and, you know, when it gets hard, show that you're up for the fight. If they can do all those things, sure, I think they could be the ones holding up the Premiership Cup. So they're a really interesting one for me to see whether they can uh, go again and get even better. Well, a lot of um, commentators have put them, you know, possible top two. A lot of, I keep hearing that, even though it's far too early to say that, but a lot of people are really looking forward to watching Brisbane play. They're a great team to watch. They've got so much speed coming out of the back line and the midfield. It's, uh, yeah, it's a really exciting proposition for Brisbane fans, but just footy fans in general. I think they're a really great team to watch. So if you haven't watched them much over the last couple of years, I urge you to Tune in for a couple of their games. They're great. And uh, we haven't even mentioned Charlie Cameron. How good is Charlie Cameron? Come on. Oh, yeah. He snaps. He's, yeah, he's, he's, he's great. He's, and he's, an absolute, he's absolutely electric. Like, being at the Gabba, anytime he goes anywhere near the ball, the whole crowd just lifts. So it's probably, probably a little bit like Stevie J, yeah? Yeah, Is yeah. that like what it used to be yeah. like with Stevie J? Yeah. crowd absolutely loves him. All right. Okay. They are really, really, really hard to dissect, Hawthorne. Um, but it, they're always promising signs for players and supporters with the coaching power of Alistair Clarkson. It has been said on Fox Sports, if anyone can do it this year, it's 
Clarkson and the Hawks. The combination is just electric. Um, the Hawks have only missed four out of 14 finals under his leadership, even with minor tweaks. Uh, I think it's a testament to the club's culture that they can contend year after year, even when making, like I said, those tweaks. It also demonstrates the endless possibilities and consistent threat the, court, the Hawks can have on the AFL competition. Hmm, interesting. So, obviously Clarkson is an amazing coach, and I think he's proven that over the last 15 years or so, but I just go back to last year. Like, what's what's going to change here? Like, why why are they going to be... What's going to be different to last year? Last year, they you know, they weren't really challenging and everything got a bit too hard for them. So, what's, what's going to make the difference here? Um, they've got a lot of new recruits, um, and in that re- most recent practice match... It was a really impressive performance, especially from Kaczynski and Tyler Brockman. Uh, Kaczynski mm. kicked six and Brockman kicked three in the first quarter. So um, I think that was a really, really interesting um, combination and to see, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see them in round one. Um, it'd also be awesome if they could get um, their top players from injury. So Gunston, Mitchell, Wingard, and Sicily, so they need these boys back to boost their chances. Yeah, there's a few of those you mentioned, I think, are quite long-term. And I think, you know, they were very impressive in that game against North. I did see some of that as well. But, you know, at the end of the day, they were playing North Melbourne. They're not the hardest team to play against. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, yeah, no, I think you're right. Like, they do have some interesting, you know, young players coming up. And there's a lot to like there for Hawthorne. So hopefully they can do a little bit better this year. So what else, yeah. what else needs to go right for the Hawks? Um, well, that came into my third point. But Clarkson did say himself that he's unsure of what his new team can achieve this year and um, where exactly they'll sit on the AFL landscape. It is their bottom six that lack the depth um, that I think will hurt them in the next few seasons. Um, and they need to develop this much-needed youth. And, you know, the bottom six, I think is so important especially once you get really deep into a final series often it is that bottom six that's actually going to dictate whether you're going to win the game or not so if you've got a bit of a weakness there it can really be found out so obviously Hawthorne I think would be pretty happy if you know they were actually up in that top six uh, conversation but uh, uh, the top of the ladder conversation but yeah it is is tricky when you're relying on that top end um, to sort of carry Mm. along a few guys towards the end of that 22 that takes the field. Yeah, you can just never predict Hawthorne, I don't think. You can never completely write them off. Um, And sometimes they play really, really poorly. Um, This was probably the hardest one for me to do a bit of research on, to be honest. But all I could really go off is, obviously, I'm saying it again, it's a practice match. Yeah. It might give the round one, like... like, um, Give the uh, give the momentum for round one, um, especially when it comes to a new fierce forward line that we possibly we might be seeing. So, yeah, it's an interesting one. I'm a lot less optimistic on Hawthorne <laughs> than you are, but yep, that's, that's okay. Right. And um, we'll see how they go. It'll be it'll definitely be an interesting one to keep an eye on. So that brings us to the end of our premiership. Uh, discussion so hopefully you enjoyed some of those deep dives into the different teams we looked at there but uh, 
yeah, there's a lot for a lot of these teams to work on. A lot has to go right to win the Premiership, right? But uh, yeah, there's always there's always hope there. So, you know, what's going to happen this year? No one knows, and uh, that's what we're all about, right? That's why we yep. tune in each week. It is. So one of the other things that came up during the week, which was kind of surprising to me, was uh, the grand final start times being revealed for 2021. Oh yeah. Back at 2.30 at the MCG, Yay. where it belongs, 2.30 p.m. Oh, not, not 5.40 or 6.30 or 7.30 7, or any yeah, of the other. Right, that oh. was being a you know, Geelong supporter and being someone's um, team in the grand final, it was really tricky. It was really, like, you're waiting all day for the game. <laughs> yeah, I think, well, it's called, I was thinking a bit about this, it's called grand final day for a reason, right? Yes, correct. If you want, if you want it to be a day... It has to be during the day. <laughs> it can't be a... It, it, call me crazy, but if you want something to be a day, you have to have it in the day, right? So if Not you want to make the... Whole, no, it doesn't, doesn't even sound good. If you want to have the whole thing being about the grand final, the whole day, then put it in the day. If you don't want it to be about the whole day, then don't put it in the day. You can't have both. <laughs> yeah, like, like I can see some of the argument about why they would put it at night, you know, like better for TV, better spectacle, but... They had to trial it. They had to trial it. I, actually, going to the game, think, I was convinced that oh, they yeah. wouldn't go back. I, wouldn't, I, I didn't think they would go back. I wanted them to, but I just thought this was, you know, the, the chance for them to trial it, and then they just think, yep, okay, we've done it once, we can do it again. So yeah. I'm, I'm really glad that they actually moved it back. And I think if you polled, you know, 100 footy supporters, you'd be hard-pressed to find five that would want a night grand final. So, yeah, I agree with I, that. I think at some point you just got to listen to the supporters. Like, how much of the foot, how much of you know football's integrity do you want to sell for money? And like, it's already a. I know it's been hit by COVID, but like, the industry makes a huge amount of money. Do we really need to sell another piece of the AFL's soul just to make a little bit more money? I would say no. No, I, I agree with that. But in saying that, that um, man on the mark rule just came into my head. Um, it's <laughs> gonna it's you're gonna have, have reoccurring nightmares yeah no it has to stay during the day um and yeah. like you said if it's grand final day for a reason and it just felt so weird the whole day just waiting 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 yeah um it was just such a different feel and i know we wait for games at night because they're through the season but this was a different you know yeah. a different feeling it's and, it's um, tradition right and like the, really to me no one is well there's there's two things they always say right you know, it's going to rate better and it's going to look better because it's at night. To, to, be able to say that we should stop having a day grand final just because it looks a bit better and it might get a bit higher ratings, yeah. I really don't think they're good enough reasons to really move away from something that all AFL fans love. They love making the whole grand final day about the footy. There's yeah. no better day of the year, really. Like, do you, no, really, want to, do you really want to sell that? experience for all of your fans probably one of the happiest days of the year for a lot of people who love the game do you really want to just sell that that's that's no. the question that i'm asking and i think we're we're agreeing that it shouldn't be sold but you know the afl might come to a point in time where they say yes we are going to sell that but i hope we can hold on for as long as possible and if that ever if it ever does come close to that i hope they really do reach out and talk to enough people to realise why people don't want this. And it's not just a matter of, oh, we can play it at night 
and it'll be the same. It won't be the same. No, absolutely not. I mean, you, you went to the grand final. It must have been the... And it was at the Gabba. It must have even felt like a grand final. Like, I don't want to bag it too much. I enjoyed the game. This, the spectacle was great. But did it feel like an MCG grand final during the day? No, it didn't. And why, why change that? Why, why, uh, why sell that experience that so many people get and treasure? I just yeah. think... Yeah, I'm sure they'll probably trial it again. But, um, yeah, we'll have to wait and see. Like you said, hang on. Yeah, hang on for as long as we can. All right, got, got another one of my rants out of the way there. So <laughs> let's, uh, let's finish off. So we want to jump back into what do you reckon part two. So uh, this is where the rest of the teams get a little bit of uh, attention. So we've gone through uh, half of the other teams and we're going to continue this now. Okay, so Tasmania should have, granted, should have been granted the 17th AFL licence in place of the Gold Coast. It's an interesting discussion point. Like, I'm sure this was never really on the AFL's radar to actually make Tasmania the 17th team, so it's a little bit arbitrary. But looking back at the way things have panned out, I would actually agree that with this statement. I think actually Tasmania probably should have become the 17th team to actually get the AFL licence. So uh, why would I say this? So in Tasmania, what have you got? You've already got football infrastructure, you've got football at all the different levels, you've got stadiums that, have, that are, had already been built that can house crowds. And most importantly of all, it's a football state. They actually yeah. care about football. <laughs> it's a big thing. I've been living in Brisbane where they don't really care about football. It's amazing how big a thing it is. Yeah. So if, you, if you're just looking at it from that point of view, do, who wants the team more? Does Gold Coast want the team more or does Tasmania want it more? Obviously, Tasmania wants it yeah, more. Tasmania. Would, it, would it have been as economically viable? You know, mm-hmm. I haven't done the maths on this, but, you know, the government, I'm sure, would have been willing to prop up the team. And we've seen how much money the AFL has had to put into Gold Coast many times over. Yeah, they were on their absolutely. knees at one point. They were. I think the biggest point about this, and for people who haven't really spent much time around the Gold Coast, you probably wouldn't know this, but the Gold Coast is not really a spot where people go to watch sport <laughs> it's um, just not it, it's yeah, I've, a, been to, I've been to the gold coast a couple of times um, yeah and i'd probably agree with you on that it's more a surfing beach rugby like i've got cousins up there and they're rugby mad and they ask about the afl and pretty much laugh when they ask <laughs> but so. it's yeah it's just if you look at other codes as well, it's been really difficult for any code to have success on the Gold Coast. Even rugby has struggled there. The yeah. soccer. And, like, I, I just don't really understand the reasoning why they wanted to put a team there. I know, like, Gold Coast is a growth region, but like we just talked about there, it's not really a place people are going to actually, you know, digest sport. They're going there to you know have that sort of beach lifestyle laid back lifestyle a lot of tourism people aren't necessarily going to go to the football and you know while i was up there i probably went to the gold coast uh stadium a handful of times and you know there were more of the opposition team supporters than the gold coast supporters there most of the time when i was there so yeah okay well that tells you a lot doesn't it it kind of says it all so you know the afl had their own reasons for doing this but you know 
I'm not sure whether any of them would admit to this now, but maybe if they could actually see what's actually happened over the last 10 years, that maybe they would actually see that, you know, maybe putting the team in Tasmania where there's already that, you know, culture that's established for AFL, it might have been a smarter decision, both financially and for the betterment of the game. I think it was a bit of a mistake by the AFL, but... um... Yeah, so I guess you can kind of you can kind of lump GWS into this as well. Although I think they've yeah. actually probably done a bit better with building yeah, their supporter base, but at the same time, again, it's just not a footy state, and it's really hard to build that footy culture. And I know you know they would probably say that you know give us another twenty or thirty years, and maybe they'll be ultimately proven right. But the idea that these cities you can even call Gold Coast a city. Uh, probably get yeah. some <laughs> feedback about that. But um, the idea that these uh, cities have got... Um, well, Great West City is not a city either. Um, these places have actually got an AFL team before somewhere in Tasmania. It, it just doesn't really sit right with me. I don't know about you, Jacinta. Uh, I don't know. You know, with Gold Coast, they even, you know, set Gary Ablett up there. Do you know what I mean? To promote it, to... Be a part of they it. They tried everything. They got Carmichael Hunt. <laughs> and, and it didn't work. He came home. No. And that's not because, you know, people say he failed the Gold Coast. He just, it just, it, it's like you said, it's more of a relaxed um, surfing lifestyle. And um, it's really hard to promote. Yeah. And like you said, they tried everything. And I mean, the Gold Coast are getting better. But I think Tasmania deserved those rights. Yeah, okay. So, hot take. Let's relocate Gold Coast down to Tasmania. Problem solved. <laughs> Can't imagine yeah. that would ever happen. What would we call them? But, yeah, I don't know. Like the the, the Tasmanian the Tassie... Suns. <laughs> no way. Yeah, I was thinking the Tassie Devils, but that's probably too similar to the Demons. <laughs> you uh, know, yeah, but Tasmanian you Devils. Know. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's uh, let's keep going. All right. Next one. The best thing for North Melbourne's future would be a relocation to Tasmania. What do you reckon, Jacinta? Sensing a bit of a theme here with these Tasmania-based references. Unsure, and I know you didn't want an unsure, but um, I think Tasmania need to build their own team. I mean, North Melbourne, yeah, are not great performing well. They haven't performed well in a long time. But I think relocating them wouldn't... I don't think it would help. I really don't think it would help. There's, you know, Melbourne, Melbourne, Melbourne love their footy, you know, whether it's like yeah. the Demons, Carlton, Hawthorne, you know, they're a part of that culture. And even though they're not performing to standard at the moment, I don't think the answer is a relocation. So even, you know, it might, that's why I'm going to stay with Unsure. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. It is a, it's a really hard thing to relocate any team. Like, I don't know whether you saw that Fitzroy documentary that came out a while ago, but just the heart-wrenching stories. Yeah, I remember that. I used to, I used to sit, go to Fitzroy games with Dad when I was younger, and yeah, to, when they were merged, it was tough to get used of. Yeah, it's just, it's just that footy fabric, isn't it? To be able to yeah. maintain that and just to relocate a team is so much more difficult than anyone would ever think, in just in terms of what it is actually doing to, yeah. you know, that football community. So, the idea of relocating probably isn't palatable to most people and it's a real hard sell so probably won't be happening anytime soon but you never know i think so all right let's move on okay so next one port adelaide are the best placed interstate team to win the 2021 premiership 
Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> I've been <laughs> I've been talking about Brisbane so much. I was, yeah, you I was gonna jump on the port. Yeah, we haven't spoken I, about Port Adelaide much. No, no. Well, that, that's why they're in this, right? We got to give every team a bit of love. Um, I, I'm tempted to go strongly agree here, here but okay. I don't think I can. I don't think I can because I was so high on Brisbane. So I think they're the top two. So I'll go agree because okay. um, I think Port Adelaide, in like looking at it on paper, they probably are the best place. You know, they were very well performed in the preliminary final last year. Yeah. They uh, really should have won that game. They had a lot of chances in the last five minutes to score another goal. And they're being coached under Ken Hinckley and, you know. Yeah, the players love Ken, right? So they've got a lot going for them. And um, they've got a lot, lot of young players coming through who are only, being, who are only going to get better and complemented by some uh, senior bodies. So, and they do take the game on as well. So I can, I can definitely see them continuing to contend and uh, they're as well placed as anyone as I've agreed to here and interesting acquisitions too with Aaliyah Ilya coming in yeah and uh, uh, yeah that's right yeah yeah so I think he'll help strengthen up their back line and even Fantasia might help them up forward a little bit although he's a bit erratic but he can only make the team better so and and Boke's always reliable and he's a you know reliable captain and he's a great player he was he was up there with the um votes you know, in the brown though. So. Yeah, absolutely. So, a lot to like. And, uh, yeah, I'd be expecting Port to be in the top four again. So, I think, yeah, they're the, to me, they're the most bankable interstate team. So, yeah. of pr- probably the top three, you'd be talking about uh, West Coast, Brisbane and Port. And I'd probably put Port at the top of that list. Really? That's interesting. Mm. Okay. okay. What about you? Where would Port come for you in, in those three? Third. Oh really? Wow. Okay. So we're not we're not we're not loving Port here. No, I like them, and I, I really yeah. do. You know, they've got a great coach, and they're developing. But they just, um, I don't know. I just don't think they're going to be up there. I would definitely Brisbane are more exciting to watch. They're developing better, um, and I think West Coast would just beat them on, yeah, on paper and performance as well. Yeah. All right. Let's go to the next topic for our what do you reckons so we really haven't mentioned richmond much at all other than dusty which is what's there to say they won the premiership (laughs) yeah it's not really that interesting is it but uh props to richmond for their continued greatness they're they're fantastic but anyway we do have a richmond question so anything less than a third straight premiership will be a failure for richmond i strongly disagree oh okay what do we got why are we so Um, sure of this I mean, if they, they've done fantastic over the years and if they were to get into the grand final again, wow, what an accomplishment. But to lose it, it would not be a failure. I mean, on the day it would, of course, but if you look at your season overall, absolutely not. And I've actually met a couple of Richmond supporters down at my tennis club and I've asked them that question and they said they would be happy if they stayed in the top four. That's, that's a win. That's the benchmark. Okay, interesting. Yeah. So, yeah, no, yeah, I, 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 I disagree. I strongly disagree there. It is, it is hard, isn't it? Because, like, ultimately every club wants to win the premiership every year and it's not really that realistic. And just the fact that they've won, you know, three of the last four, I can understand that sentiment from Richmond supporters thinking, you know, just, you know, do well again and if you don't get there, then it's not the end of the world. And you, not, no team can win every year. 
But at the yeah. same time, you'd get other fans who are just ruthless and say anything less than the premiership yeah. is, uh, you know, is a failure. And I think that's kind of the wider way that the AFL industry sees it, that, you know, if you don't win the premiership, then you've failed, which, you know, means 17 teams fail every year. So it's a pretty harsh measuring yeah, stick. Yeah, completely agree with me on that. Yeah, it's, it's an unfair... Let's hope that not all Richmond supporters think that way. They can enjoy this, uh, you know, little dynasty they're building a little bit yeah. longer, even if even if they don't uh, win the 2021 Premiership. Okay, so with the addition of Adam Trelaw, the Western Bulldogs now have the best midfield in the competition. So I'm going to go disagree. Okay. So I think Trelaw is a great player, although he is a little injury prone now, getting on a little bit. And while the Bulldogs do have great depth, uh, so many players that run through there and can rack up the possessions, um, you know, their ruck stocks are still a little bit thin with a young Tim English. I know they did get Steph Martin, but uh, mm. he's getting on in years. And yeah, they're right up there with the best midfield, but I still don't think they're the best midfield. So for example, you know, I think on paper, West Coast midfield is probably stronger yeah. Um, yeah. So let, let me put it this way: If I was wanting a midfield to, um, you know, beat another midfield for my life, I wouldn't be picking the Western Bulldogs. So, no, neither would I. Um, who, who would you have above the Bullies? Richmond. Richmond. They've got Easily. great depth there. Yeah. Like they don't necessarily have you know the standouts all the way through, but they work together so well, don't they? So. Yeah. They're just they're awesome. Um, Geelong obviously has a very yeah. strong midfield. Yeah, so you know, it's not always the um, the midfield that's the best on paper that gets the job done any either. So Absolutely you not, know no. the Bulldogs have a very strong midfield on paper and they do rack up the numbers, but you know, how does that translate to them being able to put the score on the board with their sort of smaller forward line and uh, unproven players up there? So it's one piece of the puzzle and um, I think Trelaw will help them, but uh, I still wouldn't be expecting the Bulldogs to um, be in the top six this year. No, I agree. Yes, we've reached the last of our What Do You Reckons? So, Jacinta, we will never see the best of Brady Franklin again. What do you reckon? Um, agree. Um, I think that when he returns from injury, which I think he's close from, I think we will see best on uh, ground days um, but he definitely won't be up there with I don't think common medals um, or anything like that I do think he has had his day to a degree but I'm not going to write him off completely I think we're still going to see some fantastic forward line performances some incredible goals I mean I actually miss him to be honest <laughs> yeah he's, he's one so, of those players he, you want to be out there right oh he's just so brilliant to watch he is so I really do hope he... Um, how long has he been out for now, Gee, It's been a season? Yeah, he's well over 30 now. I'm not exactly sure, but he hasn't... Is it the last two seasons at least he's barely played a game, really. So hopefully he can play a few more games this year. Yeah, and, you know, um, he was traded... No, hang on. We had Menzel, that's right. Do you remember Daniel Menzel was traded for Gary mm. Rowan to help um, Buddy in the fan club? Buddy Franklin in the forward line, but it never really worked. And, you know, um, 
yeah, if Buddy got injured and unfortunately... It'll, it'll be interesting to see if he still has that explosive pace when he comes back. Because that yeah. was always kind of his hallmark, wasn't it? Being able to like get away from the defender and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, so and having his that agility. much time. Yeah, and having that much time out of football, it's it's going to be an interesting one. But I, I yeah. would I would agree we have seen the best of him. Yeah. So you know he had so many good years through there, and he wasn't always the most accurate kick, but everyone always loved watching him play, and his highlight reel will be uh, marvelled at. For years to come, I'm sure. So Absolutely. hopefully there's, he can add a few more highlights to that uh, tape in the last year or two. Yeah. He did get it. what was it, like a 10-year contract at one point <laughs> to, to move up there? So yeah, I think. I think Sydney got a bit too excited there, he, to be they, <laughs> um, You should never... I don't think you should ever sign anyone for that long because you just don't know. How long do you think would be... What would be the maximum length you would sign any player for if you were... Head Three? of recruiting there. Three. Three. Yeah. You don't know what's going to happen with injury, um, performance. It just seems locking someone into a contract for that long, if any club, I think is just silly. Um, three years, I'd give it. Yeah, I think, I think that's sensible. And maybe we will see the change to this in the future. But at the moment, the trend seems to be to give these quite long contracts. and. You know, a lot can change in a few years. So a player can be performing at a very high level and then just sort of drop off the face of the earth a little. So it's exactly. very it's very risky to offer the players these long-term deals. And a lot of them leave anyway, so. <laughs> what happened to Daniel Menzel? He was traded over, I don't even know where he is these days. I think Geelong got the better deal there with Gary Rowan. So that brings us to the end of our What Do You Reckon segment. So that's really all we have time for today with our footy time episode here. But we'll be back next week to dissect a few more interesting issues that we have found in the football universe and maybe a few more of our um, topics that are a bit more broad ranging and uh, we can have a bit of a deep dive into those as well. Looking forward to round one as well. We're almost, we're almost back. Get the footy back and uh, have a look what's actually happening with some of these teams we've been talking about so whether they can live up to their expectations that everyone has at this time of year so just wanted to quickly mention that uh, if you've enjoyed our footy time discussion today uh, make sure you spread the word um, tell your family and friends about it if uh, you found it interesting and uh, yeah just trying to you know grow the audience as much as we can and uh, We'd love to hear your feedback as well. So we've got... Uh, Please subscribe. <laughs> but uh, yeah, if you do have uh, questions you want us to address on the show or any other comments really, um, we can, uh, you can reach us on uh, footytimemail at gmail.com. So we'd love to get some of your questions and we can uh, have a bit of a chat about them on the show. So... Uh, Basically, uh, enjoy the footy. That's uh, what we say around here, isn't it? Sure is. Hope your team does well and uh, hope you can get a ticket. Not everyone will be able to, but we'll all eventually be able to get back to the footy. Yes, can't wait for that. And thank you so much, Jacinta, for no your first episode here. All right, well, from footy time, we'll say goodbye. <laughs>